Well, good morning. Uh, we are, yes, we're officially residents of County Tyrone. Yeah, we are. Um, someone asked me, or someone said to me, you're officially a County Tyrone man, but I'm, lo- I'm a long way from that, I think. Um, I'm working on that. Um, I'm five months in nearly, so give me time. Um, but I want to say just at this point, um, from Sarah, uh, Annabeth and myself, to all of those, all of those who have served in getting the manse ready, whether it be uh, any small or large uh, role that you played, uh, whether it be a long time or a short time that you played in, in whatever you did, whether it be in being there in manual labor or delivering product or all of the work that went on behind the scenes. We are so thankful. And we've enjoyed a good night's sleep. Um, I think it was well-deserved after yesterday. And Annabeth slept very well, which was great, which was a, a, a concern for us, but she slept so well. Um, so thank you. Thank you to all of those, not just the deacons, because it was beyond that, all of those who served and have helped us to get to this point. And I pray that being there will be a blessing to us and a blessing to this church and a blessing to you and that God will use all that you have done for his glory and for this place. Let's pray, shall we? And then we'll get to God's word. Father, we've already prayed this morning that you would help us that as we sing praises, as we open your word, as we come to you this morning, that by your spirit that you would uh, move us. And as we again approach this subject, uh, this fifth biblical principle this morning, we pray as we look at giving that we will be ready to receive what you have for us, that we will understand that what we see this morning is from your word, it is not man-made, and that we will put into action uh, what you speak into our lives this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So far, we have considered baptism, we've considered discipleship, we've considered communion, we've considered membership, and this morning we get to this penultimate penultimate subject of giving, Uh, and we're going to turn to a few passages of scripture as we take some time to consider giving this morning. I think it's important as we do this, um, as we think of our own circumstance and our own situation, Uh, not the person who's sitting next to us. And so the first passage we're going to turn to this morning that will help us as we consider this subject of giving is Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus 27 and verse 30 through to verse 34 to the end of the chapter. And this is what it says, Leviticus 27, this is God's word. Every tithe of the land, whether it be of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of the herds and flock, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. 
And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord uh, commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. Well, throughout Scripture, what I see is that giving falls into two categories. And the first one is required giving. Required giving. And the second is free will giving. So required giving and free will giving. And required giving is called a tithe. A tithe. And a free will giving is called an offering. An offering. So here in Leviticus 27 and verse 30, we read of a required giving, giving a tithe for the first time. For the first time. So we're going to look at required giving. Firstly, a tithe literally means a tenth, 10%. And we are told that 10% not only of income or of increase, but of total assets. That's what verse 32 says. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. It is a 10% of total assets. The entire flock belonged to the Lord and was to be given to him. This particular tithe was, uh, that we, we were introduced to uh, here is actually got a name. It's actually called the Levite's tithe or some would call it the Lord's tithe. And the reason it was called this is very simple. You see, God said in Numbers 18.21, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel and their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving the tent of meeting. Now, we've got to have our heads screwed on here. Now, try and follow me here because this is uh, a little complex. But as I read these words, just, just try and follow along. The tithes of Israel were for the Levites. When the Israelites entered the promised land, the Levites inherited the priesthood instead of the land. Okay? They had many religious duties to perform and they were also had political responsibilities. That's what the Levites had. These Levites basically ran the nation of Israel under God's direction. And in return, to, in return for their services... All they, all they did for Israel, the tithes of the other 11 tribes of Israel were given to the Levites to support them in their work, in the running of the theocracy that they lived in. And it was a theocracy. You see, a theocracy, well, what is a theocracy? A theocracy is a form of government in which God is recognized as supreme He is recognized as the supreme ruler. That is what Israel was. That's what it was. But it's clear here in Leviticus 27 and verse 30 that the Levites' tithe was part of the required giving and not a free will offering. In fact, we are told in these verses that the tithe, the tenth, was already God's. It was already his. And therefore, it must be given back to him. Therefore, anyone who decided not to give this tithe, this tenth, 
to the Lord, they were quite simply robbing God. That's what they were doing. And isn't that what Malachi said in Malachi 3, 8 and 10? You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read this to you. This is what Malachi said. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. This is what God is saying to the nation. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Therefore, the Levite's tithe is the first required tithe. We'll then turn over to Deuteronomy 12. Turn over a couple of books to Deuteronomy 12. Let's to see the second one, second tithe. Deuteronomy 12, verse 6. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free, free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock. Look at verse 11, Deuteronomy 12, verse 11. Then to, place, then to, that, to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there will There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your contribution, that you may present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. What are we seeing here? Well, the second tithe really, this second 10% is the festival tithe. And it was to be taken to a place where the Lord dwelt. See that, don't we, in those two verses. Bring it, your contribution, your offerings, bring them to the temple, to this place where God dwelt in the Old Testament. And it was to be eaten then by family and friends and servants and priests. And it was to be very purposeful. That was what that offering was for. The idea of this tithe is to stimulate devotion to the praise of God. And this tithe really reminds me of our harvest. When we come to the harvest season, I don't think I've ever been here for a harvest service, but maybe you do this, I'm sure you do in other churches, uh, we used to do it back in England. In harvest we gather together some of what God has blessed us with, and we present it here, and we see the goodness of God before us, and it leads us to praise him for his goodness and his faithfulness to us and all that he has provided us with. And this is, I think, what this is looking at. Uh, in Deuteronomy, this festival tithe. And it was also intended for the promotion of unity in the family of God. Can you, you can see this, can't you? Bring your, your offerings and those contributions and come together and they all walk in together and they place their offerings in. And it shows wonderfully, doesn't it, this unity of the church, of God's people, of Israel. It was a, a national bring and share, that's what it was. So that's the festival tithe. And the third tithe is found in Deuteronomy 14. So just turn over uh, to chapter 14, verse 28 and 29. 
At the end of every three years you shall bring out all the tithe and of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Well, the third tithe then, as we read these two verses, we see a poor tithe, a tithe for the poor. It was only made every third year, and it was provided specifically for the poor, including the Levites, as they had no land of their own. We looked at that just a moment ago, didn't we? They didn't possess or inherit the land. They inherited inherited the priesthood. So this tithe was in part for them. This was tithe number three. And if you divide this tenth by three, because here's a little bit of maths for you on Sunday morning. And it's tougher for me because I moved house yesterday. Uh, If this is a tenth that's only going to be brought every three years, you divide that ten by three, which is 3.3. So 3.3% recurring every year. So if you're still following, you've got two tithes of 10%. You've got... uh, 3.3% to add to that for the poor tithe, which gives you a required giving, a total tithe of 23.3 yearly. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's up there, isn't it? So, this was required of the people. And all of this funding was for national entity, national existence. It funded the people who ran the nation. It aided the nations of worship of God. It funded the welfare program. It was compulsory, required giving, and I put it to you this morning that this was basically tax. This is tax. And 23.3% was just the baseline figure. You see, on top of this, in Leviticus 19 and 9, you don't need to turn there, we read of a a profit-sharing plan in Israel. A profit-sharing plan. It says, when you reap... The harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right to the edges. Don't reap it right to the edges. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And this is, a further, this, is, this is further welfare, leaving it for the poor. Don't pick up what you drop and leave the corners of your field unharvested so that the poor can gather up from this field. And if you remember, the gathering was known as gleaning because... We read back when we read of Ruth and Boaz. Ruth benefited from this system, didn't she? Do you know that account? She benefited from this system as she gleaned from the field of Boaz. That was it playing out in practice. And on top of all of this, Leviticus 25 and 4, we read that they had a Sabbath rest. Uh, They had to Sabbath rest the land. This is interesting. They had the Sabbath rest of the land, which meant every seven years they forfeited an entire year's earnings from the land, allowing the land to rest for one year. So when you take all of this into account, the annual required giving, which consisted of multiple tithes, was something in the region of 25 to 30% of one's assets. How does this apply to us today? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? Well, here in the UK, we do not live in a theocracy, unfortunately. Very sadly, we do not live in a theocracy. We don't have a form of government in which God is recognized as supreme civil ruler. We live in a democracy. 
a system of government in which power is invested in people. Nevertheless, we are commanded in Romans 13 and 1 to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. He's put them there. The authorities that exist have been established by God and we, just like the Israelites must fulfill our required giving, if we hold back, no matter how large or small, we are robbing God. So that's the required giving. Tithes, three of them, equaling somewhere in the region of, inclusive of all the other bits I've said about, 25 to 30%. So basically that's what's, what I'm saying is pay your tax. But let's just look at the other one as we, as we spend the rest of our time here, and it's this. Free will, giving, and offerings. And I want you to see the full picture of giving. I don't want you to think that... Uh, don't, think, I don't think I'm missing something here. That's why we've started in the Old Testament and we make our way to the New. We make a distinction between tithes and offerings. But this free will giving is, is more for us now. So... Offerings to God were made an addition. They were made as an addition to the required giving we have just looked at. Offerings were very different in nature to tithes. The emphasis of the offering, the free will giving, is not on quantity or percentage, but rather, as I put on the screen, attitude of the giver and the quality of the gift. It's all about attitude and quality. When it comes to offering, offerings or free will giving, the word first fruits is written. First fruits. The people would sow and then at harvest time they would go and they would take the best of their harvest first. That's why it's called the first fruits. And they would give that to the Lord. You see, in Numbers 18 and 12, God says to Aaron, the priest, all the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the grain, the first fruits of what they give to the Lord, I give to you. The first fruits were the best of the crop. This is what the people gave to God. They would collect the very best and give it to God at the temple. You see, and the beauty of this gift, and I want you to understand this, the beauty of this gift was the, the giver, well, they hadn't yet harvested the full crop. So he didn't know how much he would have in total. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. All he was concerned about was giving the best he had to God First, joyfully, sacrificially, and willingly. He did not know how much would come in after he had harvested his full crop. But yet when he harvested his best, his first, those first fruits, he gave that to the Lord. We're going to look at tonight a little bit about this. What what? What does it mean for us to give and why should we give and, and so on. We're going to look at four different points tonight. 
But he did this really, and this just touches on tonight's, one of tonight's points, and it's this. He did this in faith. You see, if he had harvested his full crop and then worked out all he had and gave God a portion of it, he wasn't trusting God. He was giving sacrificially, willingly, cheerfully, lovingly, generously at the beginning or the first, the best. Because after all, all that he was given was given to him by God in the first place. So all he was doing was giving it back. God had said, if you give me the first fruits right before you even know how much you're going to have, I'll give you my, I'll give you, uh, I give me your first fruits and trust me, I'll bring in your full harvest. There's a promise. In Proverbs 3 and 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, no matter how big or small, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. This free will offering wasn't an offering calculated as a percentage or what had already come in. It was given before one even knew what they were going to receive. When it came to free will giving, only two things mattered. That God was honored and that God was given the best you had. And when you gave in this way, God honored you. And this ought to be true for us today. We should be honoring God in our giving, giving to God with the right attitude, not begrudgingly, but willingly, bringing him the best that we have. We're not only talking about money here either. That is part of it, of course. But we're also talking about time and gifts and abilities. If we all gave like that, there would be more than enough for the work of God and in return for our faithfulness in giving this way, God will give generously to us. This is not a way to get rich. It's not that. You think like that, if I give away everything, that God's going to bless me a beyond uh, and bless you with, with great riches. I think that's probably the wrong mindset at this point. But there is much we could talk about regarding free will offering in the Old Testament. Exodus 25 and 1, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering, not a tithe, an offering. You are to receive the offering for me for each man whose heart prompts him to give. It's a prompting. There's no mention of percentage. This form of giving is all about the heart. Bring an offering to me. All those who, who are, whose heart is prompted to give. And maybe Moses is thinking, well, well, we'll never get enough to build this place for God, this temple, this, this place for him to dwell in. Well, I just want to turn to, to two passages in Exodus as we just sort of wrap this bit up. Exodus 35 because this is just absolutely stunning. Exodus 35, 21 to 29, as we see the results of this sort of giving. Exodus, 20, Exodus 35, 21. It's going to take time to read these verses. 
And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought to the Lord contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for, all, for, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all, were, all who were uh, of willing heart, brought uh, brooches and earrings, brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned rams skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or of bronze brought it to the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed Achaia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun their goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate, spices and the oil for the light, and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose hearts moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord, had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Look at verse look at chapter thirty six, verse four to seven. So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. So they left what they were doing. And he said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord had commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and the word was proclaimed through the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. That's pretty stunning, isn't it? For the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. It's incredible. There was too much. Not as a result of required giving laid out as a percentage, but as a result of correct attitude and willing hearts, hearts that were prompted to give. It's the way we should be giving today. When you love the Lord, you will give from your heart. And if we all give from the heart, we may just have too much. Maybe. So, what I see in Scripture is this. The tithe is not required. The tithe is uh, not a required giving of 10%, but actually a required giving of 10 times 2 plus 10% over three years, a 23.3% tax that was supposed, that was supported the people who ran the nation, aided the nation's worship of God and funded the welfare program. But the free will offering was over and above this. And it was given to God in the right attitude and from the best of what one had before they even knew the total of what they would receive. So as we finish, we need to briefly look at the New Testament. The tithe is mentioned once in the New Testament. 
The context is one of rebuke from Jesus to the religious leaders in Matthew 23 and 23. That was before Christ's death, which means the people were still under the old covenant law. And each time the word tithe or tithes appears is in the, in the New Testament, it is a reference to the Old Testament law that the people of Jesus' day were still under. But the New Testament makes no mention of the tithe in the context of a practice that ought to be continued in and by New Testament covenant believers. What the New Testament does say about giving is this, that we should give generously and proportionately. 2 Corinthians 8, Paul talks about giving with rich generosity, saying, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Secondly, we see that it it tells us that we need to give sacrificially. Luke 21 and 4 other people maybe call this the widow's offering. All those people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. You may remember that one. And give confidentially. This is important. Matthew 6 and 3. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Do not give So that other people may look on and say, wow, look how much they're giving. Or to feel disheartened because they cannot give the way you can give. It's to be done confidentially and secretly. These are the New Testament guidelines for giving today. As well as the Old Testament guidelines concerning the attitude and the form of the first fruits. But let me say this, God is our greatest example in this regard. You want a great example? This is the greatest example. He had in his heart to give generously, sacrificially, humbly, joyfully, and willingly. And he gave the best he had. He gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die. That all who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. When it comes to giving that is our example. So don't turn the freedom of joyful, willing, and willful giving into a legalistic exercise. It isn't that, I believe, anymore. Yes, you give and you pay your tax, but here in the church, we give willfully and lovingly and cheerfully and generously and secretively. We give God the best that we have. Not because you have to, but because you desire in your heart to give to him. I hope that's helpful to you. If you want that script, you come and get it. And I hope this morning that helps as we briefly have considered giving this morning. Let's pray and then we'll sing.